Our reading this morning is from Acts 1, 6 through 11, and 17, 26 to 27. You can find it in your bulletin or on the screen. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And now chapter 17, verse 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning to all of you. You know, it was some years ago that I heard the story of a man who took an airline flight all the way to China. And then uh, when he got to China, he took another airline flight to the remotest city in all of China. When he got off that flight to that remote city in China, he boarded a bus and rode for nine hours to a remote village in the west of China, just as far away as anything could be. And he went into a cafe, and he was thirsty and wanted to get something to drink, so he ordered a Coke and sat there drinking a Coca-Cola. And then he started, he looked around, he asked of the people in, in the cafe there, has anyone here heard of Jesus? and nobody answered. Maybe he should have spoken in Mandarin, then they would have understood. No, they, nobody, but nobody had heard of Jesus in that situation. And a lot of us, when we hear that story, we might think that the, what, where that man was is what we might refer to as the ends of the earth. And the passage that Abby just read in Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus, in giving his mission to the disciples, said that they were to be his witnesses to the end of the earth. And so when we think about that, we might think that the remotest part of China, where apparently Coke got there, but the church did not, that would be the ends of the earth. Now there's a lot of things about that story that we could comment on. Uh, the first thing we would say is that the ends of the earth is not, that is not only where, uh, where this man went, but it's wherever people around the world who have not heard the gospel, where the nations have not heard the gospel. And so one of the things we wanna say this morning is that the ends of the earth are closer than you think. 
If we think, what is the goal of this message this morning? One of things, one of my hopes is that all of us would leave here uh, knowing that the ends of the earth is not just some remote place in China that we would never think about, that we would never go, but we would realize that the ends of the earth are a lot closer than we think. When you think about that story, what people had was Coca-Cola, but they didn't have the gospel. And Coca-Cola cannot satisfy their genuine thirst. I'm reminded of the story of the woman at the well who was from the woman in Samaria where Jesus went to that woman at the well and she was coming for water but Jesus said if you knew who you were talking to you would ask and he would give you living water, the water of eternal life, the water of forgiveness of sins, the water that we desperately need. And so Coke doesn't offer that but even more than that the strategy of Jesus, the mission of Jesus is different from the mission of Coca-Cola. And so we're gonna take a look a little bit, we're gonna take a look at that mission this morning. We're gonna look at Acts chapter one, the passages that we have just read. Now, when you're watching Netflix, when you're watching Prime, when you're watching Apple Plus, Disney Plus, and you're watching a series Every once in a while, I've noticed that what they'll do is they will, when you, when you go to a new episode, they will recap the previous episodes for you. And a lot of times what I'll do is I'll just click on that and I'll skip that over. But this message this morning, one of the things we want to do and that we need to do is a little bit of a recap of where we have been this month because I want to place this message in the context of what we have heard so far this month. So if you look at these, uh, these uh, signs over here, the first Sunday in August, Brian spoke about good news for the lost. And you might think back to that message. His message was from Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. And he talked about the invitation of Jesus to all people. And he talked about the way of Jesus and he talked about the heart of Jesus. And his message is that only Jesus gives rest for the weary. Remember that message, that was good news for the lost, and that's part of our vision as a church. But then the next week, Eric, Eric Rome got up and spoke from Ephesians 1 about good news for the found. And in that message, he talked about how as we look at the gospel, we look at it as our, our inheritance, not as something, not like an attorney would look at it, but as an heir would look at that. Go ahead and go on to the next slide, if you would, there. Just want to show this slide about renewal and mission. And this is what's going to tie all of these things together. Because when Eric talked about good news for the found, one of the things he talked about is that the gospel changes everything in our life. The gospel makes all things new. And what is new about our lives because of the gospel? And one of the things we see is, first of all, we have a new record. Because Christ died for our sins, Jesus took on himself all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our sin, and he gave to us his righteousness. That is called the great exchange, and we have a new record because of what Christ did on the cross. But there's more to that. We not only have a new record because of the gospel, but we also have a new heart. 
And one of the things that God is doing is he is renewing our hearts. What does it mean that we have a new heart? It is a heart that wants to follow God, a heart that wants to obey Jesus, a heart that wants to be involved in his mission. And so the gospel gives us not only a new record, it gives us a new heart, and then it gives us a new power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Now what's, what's to me, the connection that's here is this whole connection about renewal. Uh, Ross and Aislinn served with an organization called Surge. They referred to that. Aislinn talked about how she is going to be in what's called the renewal department. This diagram that you see on the screen, I think, gives a great picture that ties these four aspects of our vision together. Because what it says is that gospel renewal, what we experience in good news for the found, giving us a new heart and a new power, gospel renewal leads to mission. And then as we step out in faith and we get involved in mission, and that might be just serving and set up and tear down here, serving and splash, leading a community group, all of you here know what it's like because to be motivated by love to step out into the mission that is what the gospel does to our hearts. It gives us a, a new desire and a new power. And it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that, we, um, that, it, that uh, we're always properly motivated because there's still a part of our hearts that doesn't want to go God's way. But what God has done in giving us a new heart is that because of the gospel, the big gamble is, is that Christians will follow him because they want to and they will do it out of love. That is the message of the gospel, and that is what makes Christianity different from every other religion So, because we don't obey Jesus or serve Jesus because we're earning his love or earning salvation. It's because we already have it, and that is the gospel renewal message that you hear every Sunday in this church that sets us free, that is good news for the found, and it is a gamble because we don't believe in motivating people by guilt and shame. People do it because they have a new heart. That is the beauty, that is the power of the gospel. But that gospel, that renewal that we experience leads to mission. And so last week we heard Heath Zuniga, who was planting a church in Kissimmee, Kissimmee Fellowship, talk about good news for the city. And he talked about this passage in the book of Matthew where Jesus reached out to a Canaanite woman and gave her a place at the table. That's good news for the city. And so this morning we come to good news for the world. So as, we're, as, as God is transforming our hearts, it leads to mission, and then as we get involved in mission, it gives us a desire for greater, greater renewal. And that's why you can see how the arrows go in this diagram. So I wanted to set the table for that because if we, if we have mission without renewal, it results in burnout. But if we have renewal without mission, it leads to just being ingrown as a church. And I love this diagram because it puts those two things together. And you might be wondering, how do these four weeks fit together in the mission and the vision of Lake Baldwin Church? I really believe it's the power of gospel renewal to change us as a church so that we willingly move out in mission. Okay, so that's my opening introduction. Let's go on to the passage now. Let's see what this passage in Acts chapter one has to say about mission. We're gonna go in and we're gonna look at it a verse at a time. The verses will be on the screen so that you can visually follow along 
with me, but there are three points this morning. My three points are distracted disciples, clear mission, and ascended Savior. So the first thing we're going to talk about is distracted disciples, and we see that beginning in verse 6. Now what's going on in the story in this place is that Jesus has risen from the dead. This is Jesus's appearance to his disciples to give his last words and to charge them with the mission. So he's got them all together. And in verse 5 it says, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now why do we call them distracted disciples because they're way off track. What they are looking for here, what they are expecting from Jesus, number one, is they're expecting a political kingdom, not a spiritual kingdom. And they're distracted. They have gotten off message. They have gotten off mission. They're expecting a political kingdom and they're distracted from the true mission. Secondly, they have such a narrow vision because they say in verse five or verse six, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That is a narrow vision. It is just a national vision about themselves and about their country, and they're not even thinking about the Gentiles. And then, then they're saying, will you do it <clears throat> at this time? So they want to do it in their own time frame. They are distracted disciples. And I love it that uh, the book of Acts, which is written by Luke, the, the one who wrote the Gospel of Luke, Luke the physician, and he's continuing his story, and I love how he includes this, because what we see in this passage is how Jesus is patient with his disciples. I think all of us in this room can identify with these distracted disciples. You and I have things that distract us from the mission. When we talk about renewal, what happens when we gather to worship God and we sing songs and we confess our sins and we hear the word of God, what Jesus is doing is he's gently resetting our hearts and making our hearts new and he is renewing us. So in this passage, look at how Jesus is patient with his disciples. We see that in verse seven. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So he's actually talking to them and saying, no, it's the what you're expecting, it's not for you to know, and that he gently redirects their focus to the mission that he gives to the church. Now what you and I are gonna see next in this passage is that in between the resurrection of Christ and the second coming of Christ, Jesus has given the church a clear mission. So let's go on to that second point, our clear mission. And we're going to focus now on verse 8. This is the verse that talks about the ends of the earth. Remember, the goal of the sermon is to make it clear to all of us that the ends of the earth are a lot closer than we think. But let's look at verse 8. And let's just, we're going to leave it up there and let you just think about what this verse is saying. Verse 8 says, but you will, receive, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. One of the things that this passage teaches is that the power to, be, to represent Jesus in the world comes from the Holy Spirit. Jesus says you will receive power when the Spirit 
has come upon you. I love how Aislinn Meyer talks, talked about that when she was asked that question. One of the things that they learned was to depend upon the Holy Spirit. Now, when we talk about the Spirit being poured out on us, it doesn't mean that we get transformed into a superhero, like we've got some kind of surge going through our body or anything like that. But what we're talking is the presence of God with us, giving us boldness, and also what the Spirit does is the Spirit transforms and shapes us so that we have the fruit of the Spirit. But we are not alone when we are representing Christ in the world. I was really encouraged, you guys, in fact, this whole month as we've been going through the August Prayer Initiative, and many of you have written blog posts, I've been reading those every morning, praying for those requests, and they have all been fabulous. It has been so cool. And there was one blog post early on, I think it was during the first week, and you may wanna go back and look it up. It was by Courtney Hill, and uh, I remember saying, this is, this is really good, what she wrote here. The, what her blog was about was gospel hospitality. She talked about how uh, she and her husband, Gray, wanted to begin to open up their home to their neighbors. They wanted to take a step of faith and do that and begin to practice gospel, gospel hospitality. But she knew their weaknesses and she knew their limitations. And one of the things she said when she talked about taking a step of obedience, and I love this quote, it's in your bulletin. Courtney wrote this, the gospel is good news for our lost neighbors, so that's part of our vision, but it is also good news for us. She says, when we took a tiny step towards obedience, God met us with a flood of his presence. So do you see how gospel renewal leads to mission, leads back to gospel renewal? That's what's going on in Courtney's life. That's what she's writing about in her blog post. And I thought, wow, that was such a great point. The other thing we want to notice about this verse, Acts 1.8, is that, if you will, the geography, even the ethno, if the, uh, sort of the study of ethnic groups in this passage and the geography and the scope of the mission. So look at what it says in the rest of the passage about where, the, where Jesus says there to go. You'll, be, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You'll by, be my witnesses. And he lists four areas. I want you to notice that this is an ever-widening circle that he's talking about here. So first of all, in Jerusalem, that was their kind of nearby area. And then he says in Judea. Judea was uh, like sort of in the region south of Jerusalem, and they were to go out from Jeru Jerusalem and reach Judea. But then he says, you will also be my witnesses in Samaria. Now what was Samaria all about? Well, what you had between the Jews and the Samaritans was a long history of division between two cultures and two ethnic groups. It would be similar to the, uh, the Jews and the Palestinians today in the Middle East. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to open the door to the Samaritans as well. Now, the disciples should not have been surprised because in John 4, it says, Jesus said, I must go through, it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, he didn't really have to go through Samaria, what it talks about in John 4, because people from Israel would always go around it. They didn't want, want to have any interaction with those Samaritans. But John 4, 
it said Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, why was that? It's because he wanted to open the door of the gospel to these people who had had this animosity, this history of animosity. He wanted to open the door to them. And so what happens here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, guys, I'm serious about this. The Samaritans will get the gospel too. And then finally, the ends of the earth, which would be all the Gentiles. Now, this is really fun when you think about Acts 1-8 because this is like a table of contents for the book of Acts. If you ever try to read the book of Acts and you look at what's going on, you see this ever-widening circle. The first few chapters about Jerusalem, then Judea. Acts chapter 8 is Samaria. Acts chapter 10 starts to open up to the Gentiles, and then they're taking it to the ends of the earth, to the whole world. So Acts 1-8 is really the table of contents for the book of Acts. And it is so fun to read the book of Acts through that grid. It is as if there is a ripple effect. Now, one of the things that continued to happen in the book of Acts is that the church remained being characterized as distracted disciples. And so the Holy Spirit, even through persecution, was still pushing them out to go out to these other areas that Jesus talked about. So you've got a lot of ordinary people just like us with all the reluctance and all of the challenges, and yet the Spirit kept nudging them to go out to these other people groups. So I love Acts 1-8. I love this clear mission that's here. In fact, at Lake Baldwin Church, we have, in a way, Acts chapter 1-8 has influenced us because our name is Lake Baldwin Church, so we started out with some people that were in Baldwin Park and Winter Park, but that was never the end of our vision. We also had a vision for the whole city, in fact, for the whole region. So we wanted to bring the gospel to sort of an initial mission field in Baldwin Park, but then we wanted to want it to spread around the city to Winter Park and Maitland and East Orlando and downtown Lake Nona, Lake Mary. In fact, when I first heard about the vision for our church, it wasn't just Baldwin Park. It was really the entire I-4 corridor. It was being in a position where we could influence the whole city. And it wasn't just about, it also included the Samaritans. In our case, it would be people who come from a different cultural background than some of us. We wanted to spread the gospel there. This is one of the things I love, by the way, about, uh, about the Navigators. I was talking with Tyler Johnson about the work of the Navigators at UCF. And and I had noticed that the navigators have really done an amazing job reaching out to different ethnic minorities, reaching out to people of color, and our church has experienced incredible benefit from that. And Tyler told me about this. Tyler might even be here today, but Tyler talked about how this was very intentional to build those connections, build those relationships, build those bridges, and I thought that was so great. And so even with our church planting efforts with uh, Christ United Fellowship with Michael, Michael Aitchison, or you think about Heath Zuniga being in a Spanish-speaking area of our city, or even with our own church having many cultures and many countries represented here. That's the idea of Samaria and reaching out to Samaria, and then ultimately to the remotest part of the earth. So this, this ripple effect is something that we've always wanted to be true of Lake Baldwin Church. So you might even think about it, what's your What's your Jerusalem? It would be your neighborhood, where you work, where you live, where you play. What is, what is your uh, Judea? Well, how can, you serve, how can you be a part of serving the city? What is your Samaria? Would you be willing to 
cross some boundaries to get to, with people and relationships with people who have a different heritage, maybe a different socioeconomic level or some kind of different background from you. And then, of course, there's the ends of the earth, which we're saying here, it's a lot closer than we thought. Well, we need to move on to the third point in this passage because we've got a few stories to close with at the end, but we want to talk about the, an ascended Savior. The reason I want to, I, I, I like the Bible because we're going to go through it and we're going to read it and we're going to apply it, but one of the things that we learn in this passage is that Jesus goes on and we see his ascension back into heaven. And what we learn from this is that in this clear mission, we are not alone. Jesus didn't say, go to all the nations and good luck. No, he ascends to the Father. So look at what it says in verse 9. When he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up in a cloud took them out of their sight. That is called the ascension. In many countries of the world, they have a day off for Ascension Day. We don't have that in America, but we should because the ascension of Christ is so significant. It says, while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Well, I think I'd still be looking into heaven myself. It's amazing. This Jesus who was taken away from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So here these guys are realizing this mission that they have is a mission for the church for all ages between the resurrection of Christ and the second coming of Christ. And that's what we're part of. That is what we're part of in our church. And so what is it, how does it benefit us that Christ has gone to heaven? First of all, we know that Christ is our advocate before the Father so that when he sin, we sin, he's our high priest before the Father. But even more than that, he rules and he reigns. Psalm 110 says he's at the right hand of the Father and he, he rules until all of his enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. He is still ruling. And what that means is even when there is resistance around the world, whether it's in Algeria or Iran or China or France or anywhere else in the world, God is at work and Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Last winter, we were in Budapest for a prayer gathering, Budapest, Hungary, and a guy walked in who was leading an international church, and by international church, we mean a church that's made up of people from many countries around the world, and often it's in the English language because that's their common language. But they needed a church building but the city of Grenoble, France, where he was working, is run by communists. It's not how all of France is. This is not French rules. But they just decide, hey, we're not going to give you a place. You're not going to allow you to worship in the city of Grenoble. So they were in the, in the outskirts. Well, when you encounter obstacles like that, it's good to know that Christ is on his throne, that he will build his church. Last Sunday, uh, in Russia, Russia is at war with Ukraine. But we have connections in Russia. We know of a church that last Sunday, somebody came to faith in Christ, was baptized. It was so exciting. And these churches are working together to reach out to refugees in Russia. Even in Russia, Christ is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The church is growing in Iran. Algeria has closed churches. China has persecuted churches. But in every case, Jesus is still at work 
building his church, and that is the beauty of the ascension of Christ, the fact that he is on his throne in the headquarters for the kingdom of God, and he's working on behalf of his church around the world. So let's drive it home and make it practical with a couple of application points at this time. I want to take this, go to this verse in Acts chapter 17, and I want to read Acts 17 to you because it, it, it really highlights the current situation in the world, and it's always been true. In Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul is in the city of Athens preaching the gospel on Mars Hill, and he gives this timeless truth. He says, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. It says that God determines the boundaries of people's dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Now, if you look at verse 26 and what it says at the end, it says that God is determining the boundaries of where people live. Now, do you believe that? What that means is that all of you in this room, where you live is where God has planned for you to live. Some of you are here checking out Lake Baldwin Church and you've had somebody invited you. You are here because God has predetermined that you would be around this group of people. That's what this passage says. And it's for the purpose that you would seek God. So what's happening around the world right now, not just in Europe, but other parts of the world, is that the peoples of the world are coming to the cities of Europe and the cities of the world. And so, for example, I'll give just a couple of really quick examples of this. I could go, could go on and on. But one, this past summer, Molly and I, as part of our work, we were in Lisbon, Portugal. We were working with a couple from Mission to the World who are in the early stages of planting a church. The, the, the church planting pastor is named John Berger. Great guy. He and his wife, Ellen, their family, but John said this to me. He says, you know, I've noticed that today's world is a lot like the times in Rome where the gospel spread so rapidly. And here's what he meant by that. He says, in, in Roman times, they had a common language. It was called Koine Greek. The New Testament was writ, written in Koine or common Greek. They also had the Roman Empire with its roads and its, and its cities, which facilitated the spread of the gospel. And so what's happening in a lot of cities right now is that we don't necessarily need a Roman road, but there are people, based on Acts 17, there are people that are relocating to these cities. Some of them are internationals coming for professional reasons from different parts of the world. Some of them are actually immigrants that are coming to these cities. And, uh, and some of them are just nationals. But the other thing that facilitates the spread of the gospel is that English is the most used language in the world, and it becomes a vehicle for facilitating the spread of the gospel, even with nationals in these countries. So back to Lisbon, Portugal, they've got a couple working with them who uh, basically had, a, they had an international job with Texas Instruments, and now they're working with them, and they're going to help them with the church plant. And this couple working with them they found out that 85% of the people in Portugal speak English and 10% of the people in Lisbon are expats 
and they need an international church. So a Portuguese pastor is praying that somebody would come, a pastor that would plant an international church. And this couple that's helping out, one of the things they say is that as they're using their gift of gospel hospitality, reaching out to people, and what they're finding is that they said it's like freshman year in college. All these people are here and they need community, they need a home and they need a place. And so it is ripe for a church plant and it's all because of Acts chapter 17 and the passage we're talking about. One more quick story I'll mention and that is in, uh, it is from Prague in the Czech Republic. There is a couple that moved there. Let's go back to the Acts 17 slide first because we want to still talk about that. We'll get to this picture of Prague in just a minute. There is a couple that moved to Prague in 2006 and 2007. He had a business and he was starting a business in Prague and he went there as a tent maker and they got involved with an international church plant actually with Surge, Ross, Ross and Aislinn's ministry. So they were shaped by gospel renewal and they wanted to do this mission of planting this church and there was a couple that was working with them to do that. They went on, this businessman, to start a network of hostels and boutique hotels in Prague as part of this business. So what happened in, during COVID? They opened up, opened up their hotels to take care of homeless people. What happened after the war in Ukraine is the churches got together in Prague and they welcomed into these hotels 400 refugees from Ukraine and everybody, all the Christians got mobilized to bring meals and, and other practical needs to help out these refugees because God was at work in this situation. The church was there at the right time. It was an Acts 17 thing, but God has used the church to reach out to people, you know, an expat who moves there, immigrants coming in, and even people from the Czech Republic. So I could go on and on, but that is the story of what's happening in many parts of the world. Now we'll look at these pictures and wind up our message. So this photograph just came to me this morning. Our own uh, Chuck and Pam Mitchell, who are part of our church, this morning were worshiping in this church in Prague called the International Church of Prague. This church was started in 1990 by Dan and Nancy Painter. Dan was an army colonel serving as the attache for the US ambassador during the Velvet Revolution with Vaclav Havel. And one year they decided to have a, a Christmas get together for people from the British embassy and the American embassy. And then that turned into a, into a Bible study and then that turned into a church. And Molly and I were there this summer. We got to know the pastor and his wife. This was the first church in our network of international churches in Europe, and it is still going strong. And so this picture is from Chuck and Pam Mitchell worshiping there this morning, introducing themselves as people from all around the world are introducing themselves to this church. And they're reaching people in the Czech, Czech, Czechs as well as immigrants and internationals. One more picture, and I'll close with this. Um, I love this shot. Uh, several years ago, I was at, uh, Molly and I were at Munich International Community Church. It's a church about the size of Lake Baldwin Church. They have about 40 or 50 countries represented in that church. Remember back to Acts 17, the people of the world are coming to the cities of Europe. I witnessed this baptism when we were over there. This is an Afghan 
a teenager from Afghanistan, he and her, she and her family were refugees from Afghanistan and who cared for them when they came to Munich, Germany. It was Munich International Community Church. They heard the gospel and this young woman came to faith in Christ. And we were there years later, we saw her as, as a grown up with a job in Munich, but this was the moment when she uh, was baptized because she had come to faith in Christ. And how did, that, how did that happen? We find out in all these situations that the ends of the earth are a lot closer than we thought. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, as we look at what you're doing around the world, we marvel. We thank you, Lord, for the many people in this church. And uh, I could go on, I think of Bart and Judy involved with education in China. I think of David and Joan Walker involved in reaching oral learners around the world and many, many other people in this church who are part of spreading the gospel around the world at such an amazing time in history. So we praise you for the power of the Spirit. We praise you that Christ is directing the growth of his church around the world, seated at the right hand of the Father. And we pray, O oh Lord, that as the gospel spreads, that you would show us, even as a small church, even if we don't go to the world, but how we can be a part of this great effort. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.